Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Hey world, welcome back to the Voyages of Tim Vetter Podcast. I'm landlocked for a little while at least. I'm in Brooklyn and I'm back to work, so I don't have any extensive travel plans that are booked right now. But I have scheduled a lot of really, really cool stuff right here in Brooklyn that I'm super excited about. I don't want to mention any of it yet because I've done that before and then things have fallen through with people, but fingers crossed that all of these work out because um, I'm super stoked about them. And today, equally as excited or maybe even more so excited to bring you an amazing conversation with Rob Greenfield. If you don't know who Rob Greenfield is, just put his name into YouTube or into Google and he has a ton of content out there. He's got a lot of videos. He talks in this conversation about the resources and the links and the information that he has out there. He is a, an activist who talks about food justice and minimal consumption and minimal waste production he has really like a message of love about how, you know, people all around the world are are very similar and are giving and loving and kind. And he demonstrates this by <laughs> by proving it, by by going across the country or, or even going internationally and relying on the kindness of strangers and, and people that he's networked with. I just, I love his message. I think it's really important at a time like this, especially in the United States today with all of like just the negativity that comes out of our mainstream media consumption. And um, I think that his message could go a long way. So I'm really, really super excited to bring this conversation to you. All of the information that, well, most of it uh, that he talks about is available for you in the show notes for this episode. I think that... That Rob, like I'm, I'm just a, a small player in this podcast game, a real small player. I think that Rob needs to be on some of the bigger podcasts, like a like a Rogan or a Corolla. Uh, so I'm probably gonna, you know, blast this out and and, and tweet at them and, and things like that because I would love for for him to get maximum exposure. Um, really, really cool guy and. Uh, I guess I'm gushing here, but uh, I can't say uh, enough good things about him. All right, short intro today. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, please leave me a, a, a star review on iTunes uh, and a comment. Those things really do go a long way in, in, in having people um, notice the podcast and see it, and, and that would help me out greatly. I'm considering doing something like Patreon, uh, you can let me know if, if that makes sense, if that's something that you would contribute to. I'm thinking of possibly for supporters creating some shirts. Uh, Raz, the guy who uh, made my, my image with the snake chasing me, is working on some designs for me right now. And also I'm, I'm working on like a zine, like a writing project and um, doing that with a couple of people that I know. So possibly providing those things for supporters. So if you listen to the podcast and you think that you would like to, to support it, um, shoot me, shoot me an email at the voyages of at gmail.com. And, um, what that stuff would do is that that's not necessarily going into my pocket. That is helping the podcast to sound better, uh, 
by helping me, you know, have good recording equipment. Um, Rob and I are on different ends of the country today, so I had to to do a, a phone call today, which doesn't always sound as good as it does in person, but uh, my sound guy, Brian, Brian the Wizard Goldsman, he is fantastic, and he always makes everything sound really great, so um, I'm thankful for that. But it would be great to have like a cool soundboard or something like that that I can't afford right now. Of course, I'm talking about all this consumption and purchasing things when that's the opposite of the conversation that I just had with Rob. So I sound like a bit of a hypocrite, but uh, all that to say, um, if you would support the podcast, let me know. And um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll try uh, try Patreon. All right, folks. Thanks so much. Let me know what you think. I think you're going to love this one. Enjoy it. My guest today is Rob Greenfield. Rob, how you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really, really excited to have you. Um, I'd first heard of you, Rob. I guess, hmm, I guess it was late last year or early this year uh, through Facebook. My friend had linked me to to one of your videos, and I, th- I think it might have been about the upcoming bike trip. So I want to talk about that. Uh, there's a lot that I want to talk about, but let's still do like a, like a minute to two minute quick bio on you. Um, I think it's fair to say that you're an inventor, an activist, a dumpster diver. How, how would you describe yourself and what you do? Uh, yeah, I guess those things all describe me, but basically I'm just a, a guy trying to make a positive impact on the world by living, by leading by example, by by, uh, you know, showing what's possible. I want to inspire a sustainable life, a more happy and healthy life, and uh, live in a way that's more respectful to humanity as a whole, to all the species that we share the Earth with, and um, to the Earth as a whole. So what are, for anybody that doesn't know about you, what are some of the ways that you are reducing your own footprint, um, your own consumption, and your own waste production? Uh, well, that could just be a list that goes on forever <laughs> and ever, really. <laughs> I mean, the thing about the life of a human being in 2017 is almost every single action that we take has been monetized and when most things are monetized it involves extracting from the earth it involves a a small amount or a large amount of of environmental destruction you know the food that we eat the water that we drink or anything that we drink the gasoline that we pump into our cars even you know public transportation has its impact uh you know the trash that we make the waste that we create from our bodies uh, the energy that we use, um, basically, you know, most of the things that we do today are um, are highly complex because of the globalized society that we live in. I'm wondering, Rob. So there's a, I guess there's 
there's hours of, of video about your life that people can find online. So I'm going to maybe push you a little bit and try to get some clarity on some things that came to mind that I didn't see you answer. Uh, so sure. you don't have a bank account, correct? Correct. And you don't have a standard job that pays you wages and provides health care. Is that true? So I was wondering, what about healthcare? Is is that something that you have? Is that something that you ever worry about? Yeah, um, we can talk about that for sure. And uh, as far as that, that's one of the tricky things about my life is that I do live a very different life in many ways from sort of your normal American, normal Western society life. And so because I am showing an example, but because life is very complicated, it's hard to write about everything and have it online because there's hundreds of facets of life. Right. Um, however, I actually do have a blog on health insurance. It's at robgreenfield.tv slash health insurance, I believe. Okay. Um, and But basically, no, I do not have health insurance. I haven't had health insurance for... I guess about three or four years. Um, and when it really comes down to it, the main, I mean, this is something we could really go on about because it's a very complex issue, but basically like one of the main things is that I practice preventative health care. So a vast majority of our doctor visits are all come down to things to, to deal with diet, exercise, and stress. And so by eating a truly healthy diet, by uh, getting enough exercise to have a healthy body, and by living a life that's not highly stressful, those things right there are, uh, those are my health insurance largely, preventative health care and uh, practicing a natural medicine um, is, a, is a big part of it as well. So rather than going directly towards Western pharmaceuticals looking for that uh, through natural remedies could be from plants uh, or things like acupuncture and massage therapy and aromatherapy and things like that. So it's a combination of both preventative healthcare as well as using more traditional forms. A lot of it is Eastern healthcare, I guess you could say. And you have a video that I would urge people to check out about, I guess it was a few years ago, but you take people through your apartment and how you kind of live producing a minimal amount of waste. And in that, you talk about eating like organic whole foods, about not really using um, hygiene products, which are made with a lot of chemicals, about how you swim in, in, and bathe in the ocean and in natural water and things like that. So um, that also helps to clear up, I think, a lot of that preventative type of care that you're talking about. Yeah, um, and that's a big part of it. So everything that we put in our body has an impact on our body, and also everything we put on our body has an impact on our body. So as I've started to really try to understand my existence on Earth over the last six um, years, I've started to realize just a lot of the things that we do make no sense and the only reason that we really do them 
is because large corporations have decided to sell us on this idea that that's what we should do. So to give a simple example, antiperspirant. So many of us have learned that, okay, what does antiperspirant do? You put it on your underarms and it blocks your pores ability. So you're not allowing your body to do something that it has been designed to do over millions of years and it has a purpose. And so now they're finding that the aluminum that's used in antiperspirants to block your ability to sweat is related to cancer. Now, whether or not it is, because all those sorts of things can be very controversial, I just look at things in a quite simple manner. Our bodies are designed to do things, and if we block the ability to, that can cause problems that spread throughout. The reason being is our entire bodies are interconnected, just like the entire Earth is interconnected. In the past, we didn't understand how interconnected the Earth was, but the more educated we become, the more we realize how interconnected everything is and how one action over here can have a completely unexpected reaction on the other side of the world. And the same goes within our body. If we treat our body one way, we don't know a lot of the times what's going to happen because of that. Uh, and that's, you know, a big part of that is the food that we put into our body and the, the chemicals that are used to grow that food um, and the pharmaceuticals that we put in our bodies and everything of that sort. So would you say that with the lifestyle that you live, um, you don't get sick very often? I don't get sick, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, rarely. Um, I haven't been majorly sick in the last five years. I've had some cold um, and I don't recall being majorly sick at all since I began living uh, a much more natural life. Um, I know I got heat, heat sickness one summer from when it was too hot and uh, basically got heat exhaustion one time, but I don't, I don't have the best memory always, but I don't recall being um, very seriously sick uh, in the last five plus years. When you're home, and I know that uh, at least lately you've been moving around a bit, but when you're home, do you still grow some of your own food? So, um, that, the video you were talking about where I was uh, in the apartment showing how I live sustainably in my apartment, that's actually a video that came out recently, but the video was filmed three years ago. Right. Uh, I just never got around to making the actual video, but I still wanted to get it out there. Um, so that video was when I lived in an apartment. Now, two years ago, almost, no, no, sorry, sorry, about three years ago. Um, that would be in January of 2015. January of 2015, I moved into a little tiny house where I lived off the grid in San Diego, and there I grew some of my own food. Um, and But I lived there for a year and was growing some of my own food then. But since I left there, I've been traveling for the last six, 18 months, about year and a half. So I haven't been able to grow my own food as I'm traveling. But what I have been doing is helping other people all over the place start their own gardens and grow their own food. And um, once I settle back down, which will be starting about this winter in Florida, my next big project actually involves trying to grow, forage, and hunt every single thing that I eat. 
for an entire year. So that's, I'm going to be diving deeply, deeply into growing food. Very cool. Are you going to document all of that, I assume? I'm not exactly sure of the plans yet. I'm sure I'll be producing videos throughout, but my hopes is actually to write a book on the experience of, of it. Um, it's going to be you know, pretty in-depth down to you know, the herbs, the spices, oils, even salt, every single thing that I eat for an entire year. Wow. I will have to harvest myself from the earth. And so I hope to write a, a book about the whole experience. Very cool. So you have two really fascinating TED Talks. One of them came out pretty recently, but I first want to touch on your first TED Talk, which is called How to End the Food Waste Fiasco. Because when I watched that, there were a number of things that came to me. Um, the first isn't really a, qu a question, but um, I love that you were saying that people should demand ugly produce. Um, it's funny because like, the more you read up on stuff like this, the more you see that like, your perfectly white garlic has been bleached or like your perfectly plump, shiny tomato like has like a, sometimes a, like a lacquer base uh, coating it. Um, when food, to make like a connection kind of like you were making, should almost, like people all look different and be different sizes and shapes and like a bruised piece of produce is still good. Um, so I thought that that was just really interesting and, and important for people to know that like when, when you walk into your, your grocery store and everything looks totally perfect, there's a reason why like it looks so perfect and, and artistic. Yeah, absolutely. When you walk into a grocery store and everything looks exactly the same, you should be a little bit scared because food is not supposed to be that way. I mean, sure, there can be consistency in sizes with some things, but for everything to be the exact shape, color, and size, what that means is that a vast portion of the food was likely wasted. Uh, in, the, you know, in the United States, we waste about half of all the food we produce, and a huge portion of that is surely due to food being... The, the wrong uh, aesthetic standard. So the banana is too curved or the um, sweet potatoes are too big or the cauliflower is the wrong shade of white. And so it's thrown away because of that or, you know, the other reason for conformity is because of uh, us genetically modifying things to be a certain way um, and also using large amounts of pesticides. So... Um, yeah, I think that it's really, once you start to le learn these things, you really start to think differently as you're walking around the grocery store. And then the other part of it is the expiration date hits on that packaged food and it gets tossed in its package when it still might be perfectly good. And so in this video, you document how, as part of educating people, you were dumpster diving. Um, and... I had to look this up, but federally, dumpster diving is legal. Um, but I do know that like locally, or sometimes if something is deemed to be private property and there's local security, uh, they may frown upon this. So I was wondering if you ever ran into any opposition while you were dumpster diving for perfectly good food, um, or if you ever came up against any trouble or people wanting to stop you. Sure, yeah, so, you know, just to repeat what you said, dumpster diving is not illegal uh, in most places in the United States. There's no, like, nationwide law against it. There are some local ordinances. Um, there's not even a state, you know, where it's against the law, but locally it can be sometimes. 
um, uh, to point out is that for any, you know, my, my message is not to go, my primary message isn't to go dumpster diving. It's let's not put the food in the dumpsters in the first place. Right. That's the big idea of the dumpster diving. However, in the meantime, I mean, there's many scenarios. Maybe you're a college student, you don't have very much money to eat healthy. Maybe you, uh, you know, live in a low-income scenario and you don't have enough money for food. Maybe you just want to reduce your environmental impact and eat food that's going to waste. Maybe you just can't stand waste. There's a lot of reasons why, in the meantime, while the food is going to waste, you might as well put it to good use. And so I do have some guides on uh, helping people to dumpster dive. Um, and I have dived into about 2,000 plus dumpsters across the United States and wow. about 30 states. I've never been in trouble per se. I've had the police come twice. Um, both times I've spoke with them and it's resulted in, uh, you know, me explaining the scenario and them understanding and me not getting any trouble. Now I would like to acknowledge that as a white uh, man in right. the United States, I have it much easier because if I was black and I mean, I actually went dumpster diving with some guys from Southside Chicago and they were literally scared to be in a dumpster at night. Like if the police came, they were worried that the police would shoot them because they were in a dark alley behind wow. a store and who knows what they would think. So I do want to acknowledge that as a white guy, um, there is and it is easier for me to dumpster dive and not have to worry. Also, people that are homeless that might be, you know, not, not as sharp looking as me with my, you know, clean clothes and everything, the cops are much more likely to bully people that are homeless uh, and not want them there because they consider them an eyesore or something like that. I also want to acknowledge that. But, um, with that being said, I started the Dumpster Divers Defense Fund so that anybody who does get arrested for dumpster diving for food or ticketed for dumpster diving for food, we have promised to cover the cost to uh, get them out of jail and pay their ticket so they, you know, they won't have a financial burden because of it. And one that has happened one time since I started the fund two or three years ago. There's a couple guys in Pennsylvania and um, once I got involved, we got some national media coverage to it, and we got all charges dropped against them and uh, brought some really good attention to food waste and hopefully set a precedent for if that happens in the future. Um, that's the idea, is to be able to set a precedent so that if anyone else gets arrested, that we can take care of it quickly and help them off. Yeah, I hadn't even really thought of that, like the privilege aspect of of dumpster diving or some of the things that you're doing. That's really fascinating. Um, as a solution to uh, some of the food waste and, and what you pointed out with dumpster diving is food can be repurposed. So I don't know, as an example, like a bruised pumpkin can become pumpkin soup and it's perfectly good and edible. Do you know if there's a strong movement towards this in terms of supermarkets and, and stores and things like that? Well, as far as the stores go, there's not really a strong movement. No, absolutely not. We do have stores that have their own little, like, ugly produce line um, and things like that. Well, as far as mainstream stores goes. But a lot of the time, 
the kind of brainwash, greenwash, not brainwash, sorry, greenwashing tactics. Maybe they have an ugly produce line where they sell some at the store, but the reality is, is that most of the produce is still being rejected at the farm level because of aesthetic standards. And so it's really like 1% of the whole scenario. Now, with that being said, there are a lot of stores that have always had practices, like, for example, a lot of co-ops, uh, health food co-ops, they've just always that once these some vegetables are maybe a little bit older, they would use those to make the soup of the day or the fruits would be used in the smoothies. Um, so there are, like, especially with health food co-ops, I've found that they're really resourceful with the food and they have multiple avenues to make sure that things get used. And then if they do get spoiled, then they have a farmer come pick it up to either compost it or feed it to pigs. Um, but, uh, so, you know, there are, big, I mean, the really good news about the whole food waste problem is that the solutions are already out there. They're being implemented by many, many people. It's just a matter really of having the will. And once you have the will, the way is already there. So there are like two messages that I, that I took from, from this Ted talk and from some of your other videos. And the, the first is teaching people about greening their lives, not wasting food, having that minimal footprint and minimal impact on the environment in the world. And the other is the fact, and in a little bit I'll get into the second TED talk, but the fact that people are generally good and the world is a good place. And it's funny because I was trying to come up with a list of things to talk to you about based on all of this media that you have out there. Uh, so this is going to be a, a long-winded thought, but you essentially had a one-way ticket to Panama, I believe, and from there made your way back into the States without a cell phone, without money, just having a passport and essentially the kindness of strangers. And it's funny because the very first thought that came to my mind was, okay, but should we also tell people that, hey, you have to be careful, if you do this, there's dangerous things that could happen. You could get hurt. Somebody could rob you, rip you off. Who knows? And that goes against the, the very message that I've been putting out on this podcast. Uh, I often talk about going to places that a lot of people that I know are scared to go and traveling there and just finding that people are really similar to me and people are really friendly and I've, I've never had a real problem. So I just, it was funny to me how like immediately... I guess my conditioning took me back to like fear-based thinking, which is the opposite of the message that, I, that I'm putting out. And, and I thought that your experiences um, traveling and, and hitchhiking and couch surfing were uh, actually quite similar to mine. Hmm. I guess that the reason that I don't put out too much of the fear-based thinking is because I just truly believe there's already enough of that out there. Um, it's almost like, you know, my trip down to Panama with no money doesn't really need some sort of disclaimer like do not try this because it's dangerous because 90% of the stuff you already see on mainstream media right. already says don't do anything like this, live a normal life, uh, don't take any sort of these risks, get a job, work 40 hours a week, get a mortgage, have car payments, get multiple credit cards, and... Uh, your life, where you know everything will be all right because you're financially set. Um, and so, 
Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that really is the big idea of that video, People Are Good, and that project is to, to really show people, like, yeah, you know, my belief is that generally people are really good and that mainstream media generally portrays the world as a fairly dangerous, violent place, and there's no question about that. There are plenty of violence out there um, and plenty of danger, but it's not to the percentage that is portrayed, and also, a lot of the violence is actually being inflicted not by the little man, but by the government uh, of the, well, the government of the United States, for one, uh, upon innocent people around the world. So, um, yeah, I guess I didn't feel like I needed to put a uh, disclaimer of, you know, this is dangerous, don't try it. It's funny because the other interesting thing about travel, which I think relates to what you're doing, I just got back from Bali, um, I guess a little under a month ago, and I had looked up all these places that I wanted to see, and I thought, oh, I'll get all these cool pictures, and me being in these pictures will look great, and it will help me promote the podcasts and all that type of stuff. And I would get to the places that I saw in the pictures, and there it would be, there would be my picture. But just out of range of that picture, and, and this is a big problem in Southeast Asia, but particularly in Indonesia and Bali, there would be tons of plastic. Like, so I would be at a waterfall or a rice paddy or a river, like this iconic shot, and just off to the right is just piles and piles of plastic. And it seems like it was raked out of the way of the picture and just stuck there. So I'm wondering about your experiences traveling outside the country um, if you've run into a lot of pollution and negative, you know, impacts of consumption and waste. Absolutely. It's pretty hard to travel the world and not have that today. Um, so one of the statistics they say right now is that by 2050, there may be more plastic in the oceans than fish. Wow. So that makes it pretty unavoidable. Um, the whole world is pretty darn covered in trash. I mean, I go to some remote places and rarely ever do I go to a place where the trash hasn't made it because of tides, uh, rivers, uh, you know, wind, and, but also because in the past the earth was a really large place. Like back in the day when we thought the earth was flat, we could actually think that because we couldn't see the whole world. Like we could only see a small speck of it. But now we've gotten to the point where um, a plane can fly around the United, sorry, around the whole world in, you know, with something like two days and where, you know, the average person can travel to most countries on earth just with a credit card and a passport. The world is becoming an extremely, extremely small place. And that's one of the things where a lot of people are realizing, but also there's still this huge lack of understanding of just how small it is. A lot of people think that the human race can't possibly have an impact on the world, but we're really, with seven billion people, we're really starting to see this world is actually a much smaller place than we had ever thought. And uh, we're starting to enter some very, mm, interesting as the word comes to mind, but I don't know if that's a good word, but difficult, uh, times of, of what it's going to be like with with this small little home that we have together. Yeah, and I think that, you know, domestically here, 
and this is something that I wanted to, to ask you about, uh, because your, your message is very hopeful, and I love that. But then when you see, like you read all these things about repealing regulations that are happening right now with the current administration in the US, and the one I, did, I just read the other day was repealing a ban on bottled water in national parks, which I don't even understand that, but um, at least in terms of what we're doing here in the States, are you still hopeful or what is what is happening right now making you nervous? Mm, I guess we'd have to define hopeful. <laughs> well, the definition of hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Okay, desire for a certain thing to happen. It uses the word desire as one thing and it uses expectation. Now, do I desire it to happen? Yes. Do I expect it to happen? No. Hmm. So I, I am striving for a, a, a world that is far more sustainable, far more just, far more equal. That's what I'm, that's what I'm striving for. Uh, and that's what I'm working towards. Now, when I look at the reality of the whole situation that and do I see that it is the most likely thing that we're going to move towards a truly sustainable and just world the, the honest answer is, is no at this point I see us continuing to move more into a consumerist way of life that's going to cause more inequality more destruction uh, more extinction more mass extinction of other species I would I, from what I can it seems that we are moving more towards that path and that and that we're probably not going to pull things off uh, like I would love to see but I guess the point is though and, and this is the thing I'm still I'm still happy and the reason being is I've realized that as individuals you know, we're all small. None of us are probably going to be able to change the whole world, but we don't have to take responsibility for the whole world. Like, none of us were born into this world having to take responsibility for the whole world. We can take responsibility for our lives and how it interacts with our whole world, how it interacts with the community, and because we live a globalized life, how it interacts with the world as a whole, how it interacts with the animals that we share the our community's worth. And so we can live lives that we can actually feel proud of, that we can, you know, understand our actions. And I think that's the life to be proud of if you can really, if you can do that, if you can live in alignment with your beliefs. And even better yet, if you can uh, have a positive impact on your community through your actions. To me, that's a life worth living. And, um, you know, that's kind of my message. Wow, yeah, I love that. And, and, and definitely, you know, to get anything done, you have to start small and local, I think. Um, but I think you've also made attempts, like, have you had much contact with uh, policymakers and the big movers and shakers? Because I know you did, um, I believe it was when you were wearing, like, the trash suit, but I, I think you did a demonstration at the UN, right? Uh, yeah, I've been to the UN and spoke there once. Um, you know, I haven't really had contact with politics. Uh, you know, I feel like my place really is as much just 
with people. I don't have a desire to be sitting in a room with people in suits at all, personally. I also have seen that a lot of the time sitting in rooms just amounts to huge, vast sums of time and being used up and nothing actually happening from it. I've learned that, you know, I've found ways to really reach a lot of people and to really have a positive impact on a lot of people through my actions outside. Now, in the future, it's possible that I could get involved in politics, but at this point, I see myself as being most impactful, uh, just reaching humans as humans. Now, with that being said, every politician is a human being, every CEO of a corporation is a human being, and I, I think, you know, I think that I'm, I'm reaching people in those positions on a human level um, through the, the content that I'm creating and through my actions. And I think that there's probably ripples out there that I, you know, that I don't know what are happening, that I don't know who they're hitting. And that's the thing about when you just really put yourself out there and try to create change. You don't really know what change is being made. And when you drop your ego, which I've been working on over the years, of having less and less of an ego, then it doesn't matter because if you don't need credit for it, then you just put yourself out there and, and uh, try to light as many little fires inside of people as you can, whoever they are, and, and hope that those little, little flames grow into bigger fires and maybe it was a corporate uh, you know, a CEO, maybe it was a politician and you never get credit for it, but it doesn't matter as long as the change is happening. Where do you get that mentality from, though, Rob? Um, because that's beautiful, and I think probably you're influenced a lot from your experiences and your travels and the people you've met. But um, are there, you know, are there authors, are there speakers, podcasters? Like, who's influenced you and helped to to shape that worldview? Well, that exact worldview that we just talked about—I don't know where that exactly came from. Um, if I think about it. Um, but I do believe that we are all really reflections of the content that we consume and the people that we admire and the books we read and the documentaries that we, that we watch. Um, I really do believe that. So, you know, I see the work that I am doing as really just a culmination of the work of many people before me. With that being said, I have some resources. Um, I have a, at robgreenfield.tv slash people, that's, 50 people I recommend paying attention to, a lot of people that have had a positive influence on me. Uh, robgreenfield.tv slash films is a lot of the films that have influenced me and inspired me. And then at robgreenfield.tv slash books that have really um, had a positive influence on me and educated me. And then there's other things I have on there. If you go to any of these, you'll see I have links to Facebook pages, nonprofits, YouTube channels, um, music, all that have had a you know positive influence on my life so I, I put those out there so that people could you know use those resources if, if they want to that's great i'm going to link to all of those resources in the show notes for the podcast so that people could check that out um sounds good your second ted talk was uh or is called be the change in the messed up world and that one came out quite recently uh and in that, you talk about your bike trip across the country. So I was wondering if you could, and again, like there, there's a lot to say about that, but I wonder if you could give us kind of like the bare bones story about that. The first bike trip? 
Um, let me see here. The the bamboo yeah, bike across the, the country. Yeah. Well, I guess it. I guess it. Yeah. The one I talked about in my TEDx talk was um, was my first you know environmental adventure. I I had been practicing sustainability for a couple of years by then, really trying to be the change that I wanted to see in the world. And at that point, I I started to be that change that I wanted to see and wanted to really share it with others and hopefully inspire more people. So I, I set out on a bike ride across the country with just, uh, well, not, sorry, um, try, and the, the idea was to bike from San Francisco to Vermont, 4,700 miles, trying to have basically no negative environmental impact, live as sustainable of a life as I could over a period of 104 days and do it sort of in a extreme way. Uh, trying to go off the grid across America to catch people's attention, catch mainstream media's attention, and and uh, really, you know, get people to think about sustainability. And I think it's amazing that it is about the message because, at least on the surface, maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong, but like it doesn't seem like you reached out to like endorsements or sponsors or anybody to, to try to, to fund the trip for you or like in your videos, you're not selling a product or anything like that. It really is about the message. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I try to keep money as minimally involved as possible. And the main way I do that is by living a really simple life myself. Um, I really respect uh, authenticity. I really respect genuine people and that's, you know, what I want to be myself. Um, I've, and the thing is, I feel like once you monetize what you're doing, then the question comes down to why are you really doing this? Are you doing this just for a paycheck or are you doing it because you really want to? And for me, my whole, you know, I don't have a traditional job anymore. My job is to try to make the world a better place, to try to make each community that I'm a part of a better place. And uh, I don't want to monetize that. I don't want to be making money off of sustainable living, uh, simple living, because it's a, a little counterintuitive. Now, with that being said, I have respect for people who create businesses that do make the world a, a really better place. There's products out there that exist that are really beneficial and services. But for me personally, I just genuinely want to have a positive impact, and I could monetize that, but... I just don't think that would be uh, a genuine thing to do. And and the other thing is that, you know, as a, hu as a human being, I understand that money changes things. So once you get money in, even if you have the best intentions starting out, money can like seep in there. And then before you know it, you're doing things focus on money, not on the mission. And I just have seen too many people do that. Uh, so basically I've kind of, I've basically taken a, a commitment of never making very much money. Um, you know, I've made that a public vow so that, that I uh, stick to it no matter what. And so people, so people can understand how it's possible to do something like this. Um, I don't know about the trip that we're talking about now, but I know that or, or maybe I'm mixing up the videos, but I know that at least part of this, you worked on organic farms uh, through Woof, like you were woofing. Um, so those types of resources are out there for people if they want to you know, do piecemeal work here and there just to be able to, to travel and to, to make it across the country. Or I know that 
Uh, there's wolfing in other countries as well. Uh, on this bike trip, did you work when you needed to eat, or did you solely rely on the generosity of, of people? So that was that bike trip was in 2013, so four years ago, and so I've developed a fair amount since then and changed a lot. So in 2013, I still was running a business and was still making money. So at that point, I didn't need... Okay. Um, I still had finances at that point because I was still running a business back home and I had, you know, uh, someone that was running it mostly while I was off that summer. That was about the time that I really started to question whether I wanted to be making money and really was learning how to live on less money, learn to live simply, was learning about things like wolfing and couch surfing. Well, I had known about couch surfing for a long time, but, but learning about different ways to you know, share to exchange that took money out of the situation. Um, and my, I ha actually have a blog that's called How to Travel uh, the United States for Free Without Mooching, and that's at robgreenfield.tv slash travel free, and that really is a great resource for anybody who's interested in this style of traveling with very little money, and, uh, but not just for your own personal reasons, but traveling largely in the service of others, and that's that's a part of it. That you know, that's a part of the whole blog. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so it sounds like you're alluding to, and it, it's clicking in my head now. You recently got back from a different bike trip across the country. Is that correct? Yeah, this is my. I just finished up my third one. My first two. My first two were kind of on my own. The first one I had a. I had a friend with me and we were shooting a documentary, which we never made. The second one I was on my own. And then this third one, I just got done, uh, just finished up in Seattle six days ago. And um, that was from New York City to Seattle. This was a community bike ride that anybody could join. Wow. There were 30 or 32 people that met in Central Park and uh, 48 people joined the ride total across the country for you know portions of it. And together we biked 87,000 miles, which is a total of three, the equivalent of three and a half times around the world. Um, we picked up uh, 20,000 pieces of trash. We rescued 5,000 pounds of food from grocery store dumpsters. We planted about 90 fruit trees and uh, we planted thousands of vegetable and wildflower seeds across the country. So it was, a, it was called Green Riders good deeds on bikes and that was the idea just to do good deeds across the country wow that's amazing um one thing i was thinking a lot of a lot of the ways in which you can live uh, you know with a, a minimal impact um how can i word this well i think that people people like comfort People like comfort and they like convenience. Uh, and so, you know, some people might look at some of the things you're doing. And again, you're not necessarily advocating doing all of these things, but, but at least attempting some. Uh, but I still think that people really like to be comfortable and, and people are busy. And there's so many things in 2017 to be worried about. Um, like, how do you really get, how do you get people to care, I guess. Uh, how, do you, how do you get people to, to buy into this lifestyle? Well, uh, you know, I guess 
one interesting thing that I would have to say is that I think comfort and convenience are one of the things that is sort of one of the things that would undo the human race. I think that an over-desire of comfort and convenience is what is ultimately causing a large portion of our environmental destruction. Hmm. So, and, and also, I think that a lot of times comfort is what keeps us from living like full, experienced lives, like lives of real, uh, you know, purpose. Um, you know, TV is comfortable, couches are comfortable, cars that get you from door from A to B, very comfortable. And a lot of what's really comfortable and really convenient ultimately is what leads us to a lot of our current health conditions um, and a lot of our unhappiness. And so I would actually tell people, you've got to get yourself out of your comfort zone. You'll never grow if you're always in your comfort zone. You've got to get out of it. So. That's a big part of it. As I, I would say comfort and convenience is one of the pain uh, of the you know human existence of 2017. Now, with that being said, we all need a certain level, certain level of comfort, of course, um, to be functioning human beings. We need a certain level of comfort, and so there are things that I just don't really think that a lot of people will do that take themselves too far away from that comfort. But I guess for me, you know, a lot of these things that you think will be uncomfortable, you ultimately find bring you more comfort through being happier and healthier. Like for example, for me getting rid of my car and just riding a bike instead. Sure. At first that was kind of uncomfortable, but ultimately I lost like 20 pounds. I became much happier because I wasn't yelling at people in traffic and pounding my head against the dashboard. Um, instead, I was outside getting exercise. And so, you know, I think, I think that um, a lot of the times when we think things are going to be uncomfortable, we find that, well, it turns out there was a huge amount of benefit to it, and it may have been, uh, it often it ends up being a, a really beneficial thing to get out of that comfort. Very cool. Um, what, let's say, you know, busy person, you have, I mean, you've got how to's, you have tons of information. And again, I'm going to link to that so people can find that, uh, easily if, if, I mean, it's easy to find anyway, but, um, what is like one easy first step, I guess, that you recommend that, that anybody can do regardless of, you know, schedule, economic means, lifestyle, things like that, to, to get started on reducing their impact? Well, I would say really the, I mean, when it comes down to it, the biggest thing that we can do is eat a more plant-based diet. So um, our biggest impact comes from the food we eat. And so, and, and animal products, uh, meat, dairy, cheese, eggs, they, have the highest impact of all the foods that we eat, especially red meat like beef uh, or, or pork. And so really the, the biggest thing we can do, I'm not talking about like, you know, you don't have, I'm not talking about going 100% vegan or even necessarily 100% vegetarian, 
But I am talking about not having meat or dairy at three meals a day, seven seven days a week, so 21 times a week, and instead, you know, having a, a reasonable amount. And the thing is, it's the biggest way to have a positive environmental impact, but often it's the biggest way to have a positive impact on your own body, um, because the fact is, is that we overeat. Uh, we overeat meat and animal products, and to eat less of it is something that most of us could benefit from. And also, a lot of the times, it's the most expensive, so it can save us a lot of money, too. Usually, plant-based food is uh, less expensive, like you know, lentils as a plant-based protein rather than uh, a steak. will save you money, it's, it's healthier, and it's the biggest way to reduce the environmental impact. And again, I'm not saying 100%. I'm never arguing for that. It's just a more plant-based diet. Yeah, and, and I would add to that, too, like, going outside like it's it sounds so simple but it you know uh i work in a in a school building and and people probably think oh wow he's got tons of time off but it's a charter school in a a high needs area i'm in the building 10 11 hours a day for 11 months of the year and then i get a month which is it's great i get that month um but that that one month i spend almost entirely outside so on the recent trip I took, I was swimming every day, I was getting sun. I was actually kind of following some of the things that you were saying, like I stopped using shampoo and I was, I was trying to eat really healthy and clean. And everything changes, like your mood changes, like your skin looks good, it sounds crazy, but like I'm telling you, like my eyes get brighter. Um, so just like trying to spend time outside and breathing and getting sun, and like you said, eating healthy, uh, it's really incredible, like how simple those things are to do, and like how great of an impact that they have on you. Yeah, absolutely, and yep, absolutely, being outside is just so important. Fresh air, exposure to the sun, uh, exposure to the wind, to just like life. It's uh, it just, it's just it absolutely can't be understated how important that is to to me, to health and to happiness and to a freeing existence. So what does, I guess, the future hold for for Rob Greenfield? You you mentioned uh, potentially writing, going down to Florida. Uh, I know you just returned from a trip, but are there any other projects you have on your mind or is there anything that, you know, is already set in motion? Many, many projects. Definitely many projects uh, in the in the works and in mind, um, but the big project is getting to Florida this winter and doing a year of growing, foraging, and hunting. 100% of the food that I eat, every single thing that I eat, will come from uh, the earth, from my hand, pulling it from the earth. Um, and you know, for me, it's going to be a massive learning experience and something that I'm just, you know, really excited about. Um, and the project is, you know, that's 12 months, but really it's going to be a lot longer. It's going to take, I have to work on planting and getting my gardens going before. Um, so it's going to be at least 18 months, probably more like a two year project. During that time, I'll be doing other things as well. Uh, of course, I'm working on a couple of TV shows ideas right now. I, I have my TV show on Discovery Channel called Free Ride, right? traveled down to South America with no money. Um, wow. I'm working on some possible ideas right now with some different production companies. Hopefully one of those will happen. 
sometime in the next you know year or so uh tour that i'm working on right now for the midwest of the united states eastern canada and europe for november and december of this year before i get to florida and i guess those are some of the things that are kind of the things that are on the top of my mind right now so aside from those links that you mentioned, how else can people find you and find out the, this information and, and some of those projects that are coming up? Um, so my website's just robgreenfield.org. Uh, on social media, you can just find me by typing in my name. Um, I use uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, although I'm mostly on Facebook. And then um, I'll be in Florida hosting workshops uh, and, you know, speaking so you can, if anyone is in the Florida area over the next two years, definitely look up to see if I'll have workshops. I'm hopefully going to be hosting something public each week. And then, um, you can always keep an eye on my, uh, public speaking page to see if I'm going to be coming to your city. Um, that would be, uh, TV slash speaking. And you can find the schedule on there that I'm working on right now. And uh, also just uh, if you want me to come to your city, if you got an idea for a great project or you want me to speak, you can always reach out and, and uh, have me come and hopefully we'll have a positive impact on the community you live in. Awesome. Well, first I want to say thank you so, so much. Um, I know you're doing so much stuff, so I'm really grateful that you came on. And I just wanted to, to, well, kind, of, to kind of close with this. Um, I mentioned how um, being outside on when, when I'm traveling and, and eating right makes a big impact. The other thing is when I was, so I was gone for the month of July and I wasn't really consuming any media. I, like I had a couple things for the podcast that I was, you know, updating so that people could follow along, but I stayed off of Facebook because I felt like <laughs> Every single update here, especially being, you know, someone that's liberal and has a lot of liberal friends and being from New York, like everyone's posting about Trump. It's Trump, 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 24 hours a day. He's on everybody's mind. And, and when I was away, I didn't consume that at all. And it sounds crazy, but I, it, I felt calmer. And that could have been the environment, that could have been the food. But as soon as I came back and I started seeing social media, like I felt like I quickly got wrapped up in the fervor and the frenzy of all of that craziness, um, which maybe is strategic and maybe is part of the plan. I don't know. But the point is, I very quickly acclimated back into like the standard way of life and a lot of the, the negative aspects that go along with that, such as, you know, consuming all this media and, and news and all the craziness. And so that's a very long-winded way of saying that over the last few days, I've been re-watching a lot of your videos and they're really inspiring. Like it's cheesy, but right away I'm like running around my apartment thinking of ways that I can fix things up and reduce my impact. But just like your message of, of positivity and helpfulness and, and ultimately love and, and companionship with people, I think is, is really important and powerful, especially when, you know, the most, um, the most viewed people from this country 
are are kind of spewing the opposite message of that. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of mistrust. Um, so all that to say, you know, thank you. Thanks for doing what you do, and uh, I'm appreciative of it. And uh, I think that you're you're really fighting the good fight. So thanks, Rob. Thanks. Well, I should mention one thing real quick. Uh, sure. As far as some things that I do online um, to to not be penetrated by the by the negative media so much. Um, a couple of things. One, you can download a Chrome app called Trump Blocker, which blocks Trump from your internet. So wow. you don't have to have him bombarding you on your Facebook and um, on Google. And that way, if you want to get updated on what's going on, you turn off the blocker, you get updated. That, but you don't get constantly bombarded. So that's called Trump Blocker. And then the other thing is an app called Freedom, and how that works is it automatic, you can set schedules so that it automatically shuts off the internet at certain times. So what I have on my computer is my internet is automatically shut off by this Freedom app at 8 p.m. and it doesn't turn on right now until 8 a.m. So that gives me 12 hours per day of being disconnected. And then my plan starting now is to do it also on Saturdays and Sundays. So I'm only on the computer for five days a week. That gives me two days disconnected um, and it gives my night disconnected as well and so I think it's challenging but I think it's totally reasonable to do that and ultimately will create more productivity if you're trying to be productive because you have a refreshed mind and will help you stay sane in the world that we live in today hell yeah thank you that's awesome I'm going to check out both of those and I'll also include those in the notes as well um, just hang on oh, one, oh, one... Really? I'm sorry oh what were you going to say I was just saying, just hang on one quick second, Rob. I'm, I'm going to close out, but uh, I want to just say goodbye to you. Uh, so, so thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, all of that information that I talked about and Rob talked about will be in the show notes for for this episode. Uh, if you could leave me a positive review that helps get some eyes on this and that'll help get Rob some eyes on all the projects that he's working on. So a uh, bunch of cool things that I have lined up for the next two weeks, a lot of stuff based here in Brooklyn. So uh, continue to check it out. I really appreciate you guys. And as always, take care of each other. Bye-bye. <laughs>